I'm going to do something a little bit differently, and I hope I don't mess up the, the audio-visual team. Can I have all lights on in the house? I need to see you this morning. Thank God for an opportunity to be before God's people. Praise God for Pastor in his absence and the first family. I got to get all the protocols out the way because we're going to move quickly this morning. The book of 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, I will read it in your hearing. It says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times, you can keep playing, that some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now the spirit, capital S, speaks forcefully. That in the times we are in right now, some of you will depart from what you believe, giving heed to your flesh. And what everybody else says you should do. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. I want to speak to you this morning very, very quickly from a very controversial topic. Let me take a little bass out of here a little bit. That's really prevalent in the church today. At some point, some of us have have said it ourselves, and we've alluded to it. When we face situations, or we faced a person that just didn't sit right with us. I want to talk to you for a moment briefly from this topic. Don't be scared about what I'm about to say. I'm tired of this church. I'm tired of this church. In Timothy, the word of the Lord tells us that some will depart from the faith, giving heed or listening to a seducing spirit. In the church, in the church of old, the word seducing caused many of us to infer that the word was speaking of something that was, and I'm going to stay PG, sexual in nature. But seduction is more of a word that is used to speak of the cunningness and craftiness of how the people of God would be lured away from the faith. Do I got any fishermen in the room today? Don't nobody fish? All right, all right. I got some fishermen in here. As a fisherman, there are 
many pieces that accompany us in our tackle boxes. And we both use artificial and live bait in efforts uh, to attract or to lure the fish onto our hooks. When one type of lure seems to be ineffective, we try another. To determine what the fish are biting on today. Now that's a whole nother message. Because where we have become ineffective as a church, and I'll talk about it some other day, is that when the shift happens, we ought to shift with the shift. Even our school system has gotten a clue that no longer can they come and they stand for 90 minutes and talk about a subject in front of children thinking that they're going to somehow comprehend everything that was said. No, you've got to engage them. they got kinesthetic listeners. they got audio listeners. they got people that need to do. They have people that need to see visual. No longer do our classrooms even look the same. They have desks over here and tables and learning centers over here and couches and sofas and little bouncy balls. Whatever it takes, they alter the method, but two plus two still equals four. But like I said, we'll talk about that another time. Many of us have seen this nine second video. I'm not going to play it for you because uh, there is a cuss word in, it, in that nine seconds in the church. One of the mothers, after he said what he said, let one slip. And I caught it and I said, oh, I can't play this. <laughs> but this young man was given a part, they tell me, in a Christmas program to recite. <laughs> and he must have been at rehearsal every day that week. <laughs> Grandmother took him out. <laughs> and it was his turn to give his speech. Y'all know the times when we used to get in front of the church and the Sunday school been working with us and the Sunday school teacher is sitting on the front row. Come on, baby. <laughs> For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government... And the government... <laughs> Shh. Well, this boy, for whatever reason, decided today is the day. <laughs> I ain't saying this part that my grandma told me to say. I'm going to tell the church exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. And he walked up in front of the church. And he faced the audience. And he grabbed the mic. And they were sitting on the edge of their seats. And he took it and he said, I'm tired of this church. <laughs> and walked back to his seat. Now I know, I know, if I know, because I was raised in an African-American home. 
he was really tired when he got home. Because one thing you don't do is embarrass a black mama or grandma in front of her peers. <laughs> it no longer come, becomes about you. <laughs> it's about me. They, 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 they questioning my raising skills, my upbringing skills. It'd probably be New Year's Day and she's going to take you right back in front of the church. Now this is the part he was supposed to say this Sunday. Say it! That's what Gail Marie Talbert would have done. <laughs> she ain't no joke. Medea got nothing on Gail. But you know, I looked at this young man and I started reflecting on my own household. And there's three of us in our house. My brother, who is the oldest, Lee Third. My sister, who's the middle child, Jamie. And then myself. And all of us have our own personalities and handle situations in three completely different ways. My brother, gentle person, very comical if you know him, but he has a quick wick. Once he says, okay, that's all he's going to say. If you're talking, he's going to say, all right. <laughs> he's going to do just like that. He might be sitting down. All right, he's going to make sure you hear him. And then the next thing he's going to do, he's not those types of, you know, back in school, you, you walked up on the person you was getting ready to fight. That's what we used to do back in the school. Not Lee Third. When he gets up, it's on. He's coming in like a pit bull, and it's on. I've seen him do it. <laughs> My sister, the engineer, the intellectual, she's going to get you told. And by the time she's done, you will have wished she slapped you about yourself. And you're going to wonder, how does she even know that? Me? Oh, I was a perfect little child. I listen to everything. <laughs> I listen to everything my parents told me to do. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but in reality, I'm the person being transparent. I will endure and endure and endure and endure and endure and I will have endured one time too many. And when I pop, what you get wasn't really even intended for you. It was intended for the last 10 people that I should have went to and said, you need to leave me alone. Now, God's still working on me. Pray for me. Everybody has something, amen. And when that occurs, and I'm talking about me, there is nothing you can say. Nothing you can do. Even my mother says, she goes through the same thing. She talks about Lee and Jamie. Now, John, now listen. She starts getting quiet. Listen. He 
He's the one I have to pray for. He's the one that will clear a room. Please, please, he's so nice, he's so nice, please. But he will let you have it if he gets to that place. And I have to work on him on that one. And she did. Now, listen to me. You've got three people in the same home raised by the same people under the same roof in the same situation that handles things three different ways. And all of us have our various breaking points and our ways of handling conflict. And we were raised in the same home, but obviously with three different people. How is it that this can be true, but we come into the body of Christ and we see all of these people raised under various roofs and we think that we're going to behave the very same way. We think that we're going to handle the situation the very same way. My breaking point, different than your breaking point, but it's a breaking point. And when enough is enough, it doesn't matter what anyone says. When your mind is made up, you've reached a state that you've taken all that you could take. And when you get to this place... It doesn't matter what anybody has to say to you. You then handle or react however it is that you handle it. And this is where the church is. This is where we are. New Bethel. Churches down the street. Churches in this state. Churches in this country. This is where the church is. They have reached a place that something has happened that has caused them to say, I can't deal. I'm tired of this church. And what is it that we can't deal with? They can't deal with, get this, the expectation that you set. That you can't even live up to yourself. What am I saying? What we as a church have not taken into consideration when we preach and when we teach and when we witness to one another, especially when it comes to holiness and sanctification, that the rubric by which we are measured as a body is now raised to a higher standard and now it is expected for us to maintain it. And in the midst of teaching this high rubric of you got to be saved, we forgot that there's a balance. I'm not saying that your humanity is your license to sin, but your humanity is real. Sin happens. Don't substitute that other word. When you're in a house of people that are created in the flesh, yes, you could get born again, but your flesh is enmity against God. And it is working with the enemy 
to get you to believe and do the things that Satan wants you to do. But we don't talk about that. You got to be holy. And you do. But you got to be real. And the problem of why people are tired of this church is because they come into the church and they're saying, yes, I hear that I've got to be holy and I've got to live right. But tell me, how do I deal with what's going on on the inside of me? Is there somebody that I can look to that can say, oh, it is I. I'm dealing with that same thing. Let me tell you how I overcome. Oh, no. But there's too many people in the church that come in and they wrap themselves in their holy clothes. And they don't want to talk about where they've been and what they've done. When the scripture said we are overcome by the blood and the word of our testimony. So I've got to agree with some of the people when they say I'm tired of this church. I'm tired of that church too. And some things have got to change in the body. Because see what's happening is the enemy has come in. And because the devil knows where the house of God has dropped the ball and he does what he does so well, he'll then tell you, you don't need them. They don't love you. They don't care about you. They can't teach you nothing that you don't already know. There's no community here. You ain't being fed. They don't really like you. You might as well leave. And you come to the resolve in your mind that I'm tired of this church. And you figure out in your mind that this is going to be my last Sunday. But God said, hold on. But what is being preached, I've already heard it from eons ago. It's going to help me with what I'm facing right now. Church ain't really addressing the real issues. Oh, yeah, this is what is being said. I'm talking to you about what I know. The word being thrown around, all they want to do is judge me. And before you know that you have decided, I'm just going to. Step back, sit in the cut. And you stepped back because when you came, you felt that you were not accepted. You stepped back because you felt there was no room for your gift in the body. You stepped back because you ran into some people who had some real issues just no one would listen you step back because there wasn't even a platform established for you to be heard talking about what I know today the devil ain't happy and as you make your list of what is not you began thinking more and more and more I'm tired of this church and as you're saying, I'm tired of this church, the more and more that begins to resonate in your spirit, 
the more and more the enemy begins to tell you, you don't really need this church. As a matter of fact, he does just what he did as Bishop was talking about in Genesis. When, when, when Satan came and he was talking to Eve, you won't surely die. You don't surely need to go to church to be saved. Oh, you can get at home. You know the scriptures. You know how to read. Cut on Jake's. He'll give you a good word. You don't need a covering. And yeah, 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 yeah. This is what the devil does when he, when, when he starts with the seed of I'm tired of this church. And the next thing you know, you're at Bedside Baptist and not at New Bethel. But it's a trick. Seducing you. Seducing you from what you've been called to do. I'm going to go off script real quick. Let me tell you something. Oftentimes when God allows you to be able to see, it's because he trusts you. When he allows you to be able to see, you're higher up in his ranks than you think you are. And what's the problem is, is you allow your situations and your things to make you draw back because you don't think that you are of the stature and of the knowledge to be able to operate with what God has shown you. But could it be, church, that God has opened up your eyes because he has called you to step in and become what is not? But they're clickish, but they're clickish. Walk up in there and break that click up and tell them I'm here because somebody out there needs to be saved. And if you can't see you a click, I'm going to let you know that you're a click. And to show ourselves friendly, that's the only way we're going to reach people that are lacking and are lost. What are you doing? tired church are you retreating to your homes are you retreating to another ministry that has what you think you need and you walk into those ministries and you sit there and you say this is what I'm talking about mm -hmm. the sound is just the right level mm -hmm. see the, part, the pastor ain't teaching all that judgment stuff you need to hear some of that it's about balance. So what has he called you to do? What has he called you to do? What has he called you to do? Let me read something to you real quick. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace we are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But here it is. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. For God hath not, for which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What does that mean? Workmanship. Let me help you. Because see, some of you won't step up and step into the assignment that God has called you to because... It's uncomfortable. I don't want to be the friction. But the friction is what the church needs to grow. I don't want to seem like the person that's bucking against. 
but maybe the bucking is what the church needs to break up the stuff that it shouldn't have. The workmanship is something effective. It's something that is made. It's something that is produced. It is the art or the skill of the workmen. The scripture says, for you are his workmanship. What does that mean? Because you are created by God, who is perfect in all his ways, he made no mistake in what he created in you. So while you are feeling incomplete, you are feeling that you have nothing to offer, You are questioning the workmanship of God. How dare you say you're not equipped to come against this thought of the tired church? But the church ain't in the community like it should be. Did he give it to you? then maybe you are the evangelist. And he gave some prophets, some apostles, some teachers, come on, some preachers, some what? Some evangelists. For the what? So the church can't be perfected until you get into place. So when we utter the words, I'm tired of this church, be tired about this church that we're in. Because right now, it's pretty messed up. But you're a part of the change. You're a part of what is going to transition us into end time revival. You. Look at your neighbor and say, you. This is why the scripture says God has not given you the spirit of fear but of power of love and a sound mind authority to know that when I walk into what God has called me to do I know I can do it because it's him who strengthens me but I can't just have his power I gotta have his love too and that's where some of the church is messing up we messing up, y'all, because a move of the power of God is happening and healing is taking place and people are getting saved. But after all of this has occurred, ain't no love. Some of the meanest, nastiest people that you'll meet is in the house of God. How could she look at me like that? When I walked in, did you see her look me up and down? Yes, that happens in the church too. But if you reflect, it happened in the club. Happened in the lounge. Happened on your job. But she didn't leave them. Why? Because when it was time for you to club, I ain't going to let you mess up my my flow. Yeah, look at me. But then we come into the house of the Lord and we say, see, that's why I don't do church. And we walk out. Who has seduced you? 
who has seduced you. It's not what God wants for the hour that we are in right now. You are his workmanship. It's time for you to stand up and be the church. Be tired of what you see right now, but be the church of what it should be. Finally, as I'm closing, Romans 8 and, 8, 8 and 35 says, who? Who? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Somebody's look? Somebody not accepting me into your clique? Somebody not taking my idea? Me getting shot down here and there? Who shall separate me from his love? What's so interesting to me is how all at once Jesus as he's on the cross I believe that he was injected with the knowledge of what every bad thing that all of us would do across dispensations and across times and all at once, boom, and he took in the sin. He asked three times, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Lord, let this cup pass from me. I don't want this. This sin is going to kill me. But he took it. When he took it, he said, it is finished. What did he finish? He took in every time that you said you loved him. And you walked away from him. And went back into what you know he called you out of. But he said, because of my love for you, I'm going to do and keep my word and this assignment. And because God did that for me, who? Who is going to separate me from that love? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? Who? And I bring this to be tired of this church. tired of what's going on right now. Be tired of the schisms that you experience 
inside of the ministries with, and auxiliaries that you belong to. Be tired of that. You should be. Anybody tired of it? Be tired of the people who you've put confidence in letting you down. Be tired of that. But don't be seduced. Don't be drawn away. Take that and say, but God's called me to stay in the fight. God's called me. See, I'm an advocate because I once didn't have it and I still battle with it. I battle with self-care. Where I would give, 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 give. And what happened, because I talked about, I like to endure, 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 endure. And then one day I'm like, (laughs) I'm tired of this shirt. I ain't enduring no more. Because I lack balance. But self-care will never supersede God's calling for your life. You can clap or not clap if you want to, but it's the truth anyhow. You can still have it, but you can't forsake what he's called you to do. And he's called every person in this room. Somebody's life is tied to you. And your your inactivity could be the cause of someone not to know God. church needs you. Come on, let's stand. Go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, as your people stand in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're tired of this church. We've made some mistakes. We've done a lot of things in your name that you did not ordain. A lot of people have been hurt. A lot of things have been said that shouldn't have been said. But God, you are a redeemer. You are a restorer. There's some people that have made a conscious decision. I ain't going back to church. I'm not going to get active no more. I'm not even going to come on a regular. But Father God, today, we repent. As a church, on behalf of the leaders, that we may have made the wrong decision, but on their behalf, Lord, I repent to your congregation. We're sorry how we failed you Father God redeem the time in the name of Jesus Lord we ask that you mend every broken heart every area of everyone's life where they have been hurt that caused them to make decisions about ministry 
Lord, we repent in the name of Jesus. We ask for forgiveness. Now, God, as your people are making a decision, even this morning, somebody wants to be saved. So we ask that you would touch their hearts at this time, God. Hallelujah. Let them know that there is the possibility of a whole church. Let them know that they're a part of this process. That they need to just be patient as we grow together as a family. God, in the name of Jesus, we need you this morning. We thank you for this word. We ask that you seal it in the hearts of your people. We bless you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. At this time, if there's any of you that have heard the word,